Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 11 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Lud, I gotta tell you. So on Facebook, you get where it pops up and it'll say 10 years ago, your memory, whatever, seven years ago. So it pops up a memory when I had you on as a guest. Yep. And that caused me, now that we've got streaming TV, that caused me to sit there in front of the big screen. This is a mistake, folks, by the way. Don't try this at home. So I get the big screen going, and I pop up um, the Renegade River show, which is what this show started out as a little over 11 years ago. And I'm watching myself, because we used to televise it. Yeah. I'm watching myself on the big screen. Don't do that. I'm going, holy smokes, that's way too big. That's terrible. Was it a yep. big enough screen? But, I, but Wow. Listen, the other part about it is is that the show has really changed. And folks, you don't know it. Let me say differently. I didn't really notice it because you it's it's just a little bit of tweak here and tweak there. And 11 years plus go by. And then when you're watching one of the original first year shows, holy smokes, it's a different world for this radio station and our listeners. By the way, we appreciate you. We've got we've got folks that have been listening to this show from the very beginning. And thank you very much and thank everybody else that's joined with you. So listen, what I wanted to do is ask probably what you're going to think of as a dumb question. I'm listening to all the people on both sides of the divide hyperventilate mm -hmm. about this coming election. Yeah. 24, you know, what's going to happen? We're going to have a civil war. We're going to, all of these things. And listen, folks, first off, I yawn a little bit because I look at show notes, which is really what I was doing. A lot of the issues that we're debating about now, the Tea Party era, which was really the beginning of the show, right as that started to wane, is about, by coincidence, when we started the show. <laughs> and, the, you know, the the, uh, the national debt was almost... Almost, well, it just tipped over $10 trillion. And now it's more than three times that. But with each increase, the world is going to end. And by the way, keep in mind, I'm a Reaganite because of his fiscal responsibilities. If you want to know what drew me to him, I want limited constitutional government. Um, I've really not seen a politician since then ad advocate for honest, balanced budgeting like Newt Gingrich achieved. That's correct, not Bill Clinton for my Democrat friends. It wasn't Bill, it was Newt Gingrich, just saying. At any rate, so I, I look forward at 2024. All of the issues are roughly the same. They've morphed a little bit here, a little bit there. The numbers are certainly bigger. We're going down the wrong tracks in my view. Yeah. But you've got both sides. It's a republic. It's not a democracy. It's a democracy, not a republic. Well, one of the first political parties was the Democratic-Republican because it is a hybrid, according to our founders. We democratically elect a representative or Republican form of government. That makes it a hybrid. And I would submit to you it's made it a very successful one. But then I pause and I'm watching Biden. You know, the democracy is going to fail if Trump is elected. And the other side screaming the same, essentially 
the same thing with different words, both of them hair on fire. And I pause and I think, wow, what happened? Let's just play with this for a second. In your view, what happens if Joe Biden wins re-election? If Joe Biden wins re-election, first of all, he doesn't make it the full term. So whoever's running mate becomes president. I think that's very, very crucial to to understand when you're voting for Joe Biden. Same as in 16, when my debate to everybody was, you're not voting for Trump, you're voting for the Supreme Court, which did tip a lot of people towards voting for Trump because they were like, I can't vote for him, but you're right, I'm voting for the Supreme Court, so I got to vote for him. So I do think you're voting for his running mate. Okay. The economic collapse is going to happen. It's probably going to happen pre-Biden's election, but if it doesn't happen pre-Biden's election, it is going to happen within that four years. Civil War, I don't know about that. I, I do think that the biggest issue we're seeing today that we could actually relate back to historically is the Trump being left off the ballot scenario that we did see a year before the Civil War. That's the one issue that's probably new right. within our 11 years here. Okay. I, and listen, I get all that. But but I got to tell you, folks, I'm being a little bit more, maybe I'm being more reactionary than your view that you just stated. When I look back, I'm reminded of Miles Bauer's statement following the 2020 election, and I I have to paraphrase, but the moral of it was that if folks don't believe in our election process, then there is no republic. Forget your definition of democracy, republicanism, forget all of those words. If folks, if, if a lion's share of half of America doesn't believe there's a legitimate election process, so I look at it, and folks, I gotta be honest for a minute, if it truly ends up Biden versus Trump in the general, and if Biden somehow actually won, I have to tell you the very, and by the way, I'm not an election denier. So let me just say that. And to the folks that are that listen, I'm sorry, I don't see it that way. I've done a deep dive in the state of Michigan. It did not flip the state of Michigan. I don't know what happened in other states, but it didn't here. So I, I had to set that in because it's an important ingredient. A lot of folks are going to look at it like I'm getting ready to tell you. When I look at Biden, and I'm, by the way, this is not a partisan statement. This is my layperson's assessment of his mental and physical condition. I do not believe that he is currently the, the, the president. I most certainly don't believe he could continue through another term, to your point. Yeah, he's a figurehead right now, if he, anything. He is. But here's the problem that I have with the election. I can't imagine, and I'm being honest, folks, I cannot intellectually understand what would cause a person to vote for that person given his mental decline and physical limitations. I'm just being honest with you. I So if he won, I'd be one of those people sitting back going, I don't believe that. I do not believe that a simple majority of the voting public looked at him and said, we don't care the state he's in. We want to be more important. It'd be even harder to expect, expect, accept that when 34% actually would vote for him today. Right. Like You don't go from 34% to 54% <laughs> or 51% or whatever it's going to be. That just 52%, 47%, that margin is not make-upable. Well, his, his approval ratings are at a modern times historically low for either party president. He almost makes Carter look like a, a, a saint, like a gem. Yeah, but listen, even at the time, and I can't put words into Miles's mouth, but for me at the time, I looked at Jimmy Carter and thought, he's an honest guy, he's just not qualified. No, I'm talking like political gem. I, like, I, no, I get that. Yeah. But what I discovered after the fact is he's not an honest guy, I'm sorry. 
And once I heard him giving speeches after his term was over on foreign soil about how rotten we are, I thought, oh, I got to reappraise this guy. He's crazy uber leftist. And it's not a surprise that some of the same exact economic switches that Biden is hitting, the same levers he pulled, Carter did. No. Can we talk about something else that's going on that, I mean, we talk about Civil War a lot, and we talk about this election. There's a major battle brewing within the state of Texas versus the United States federal government. Right. Because this new law that if you're an illegal immigrant and you're arrested in Texas, they will deport you. Right. And this is a major, this is like almost like South Carolina seceding. I I can see Texas saying, you know what, federal government, we're on our own. Right. You've cut down our razor wire. You're not allowing us to deport. Right. What, What? does this end up becoming anything? Does this become bigger than the election? Does it really I, listen, push the election? I, I, the only, listen, I get everything you said, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I'll tell you that Texas is more divided than we believe it is. Well, I, I believe that. There's been a significant insurgence of Californians there. So most of their major cities now are deep blue. Mm-hmm. And so they've got they've got their own they've got their own divisions within their own ranks going on. The other side of that coin, like I was talking about historically, for just the 11 years of the show, I don't remember a time when Texas was not talking about leaving the union. Yeah. I don't remember a time. If you good folks get on Google, because even they can't hide the truth, well, they do a pretty good job at it, but you'll find that Texas has historically been using that as a threat. Listen, folks, stay with us. We've got a lot to go. So here's what I'm trying to get at, Ludwig. When I found myself run down the rabbit hole looking at shows from 10 and 11 years ago, it caused me to step back and do some, some frankly, some soul-searching on my own. Have I changed? I have recently. In fact, do me a favor. Physically? Now I'm going to Because I know physically I will verify that has happened. Folks, I'm just telling you. <laughs> that boy ain't right. Brian, would you play that spot for me? Mike Hewitt here. Recently, a longtime political associate told me, you've changed. Truth is, my politics hasn't changed, but my tactics have. Years ago, I challenged a representative in a primary. I was loaded with things I'd read about her. Social media will arm you with everything you need but truth. She and me met before the election, she told me. You just don't understand. She was right. That was 20 years ago. Wow, the things I've learned since then. She's an honest and good person that worked hard for our district. Instead of primarying her, I should have asked her how I could help. Why tell you this now? Step away from the echo chamber. Think for yourself. It's about bending hickory. It takes patience, wisdom, and on occasion, deals you won't like. Stunning as it seems, your politics isn't the only politics. Make sure all the things you think you know are true. What a system of self-governance we have. Our founders were brilliant. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You'll like it. So where I'm going with this, folks, is that one of the things that has changed, in my view, is if you have an opposition, a political opposition, in my lifetime, Lud, even in your brief lifetime, youngster, it used to be that we didn't agree on some things. 
but you were not my enemy. So I primaried a Republican. I did not like what she was doing. That was my earnest belief. It wasn't against her. I wasn't attacking her. I didn't run around on social media calling her filthy names, making up gobbledygook nonsense stories about her. I simply challenged her and said, come tell the folks what you're doing. Um, and I was, listen, I use the word like I'm a patriot. I use those words then. Now, if you're not a patriot, you're in trouble. You're a, if you're a, folks, when I lost to her, well, let me turn this around. You primaried somebody. Mm -hmm. When you lost to her, what did you do? It's actually a pretty contentious time. And we're at a executive meeting for the county GOP. I stood up and I said, hey, everybody needs to chill out. I lost her. She fairly beat me. And guess what? I'm putting on her jersey and we're together. Let's go. Right. And we're my, not going to fight. We're going to be on the same team. Yep, exactly. And my response to this person that beat me was I did a fundraiser for her because I figured I better put back what I took. And folks, because we're not enemies. No. That's, that's the point I'm trying. She's not my enemy. And since then, that's been a long time now. Since then, I've gotten to know her. I've gotten to understand the votes. My politics didn't change. I didn't go, wow, I lost. I'm going to reinvent myself. What I actually did is I paused and listened. Intellectual honesty is the one thing that we seem to trade it We traded it away for the internet and the echo chamber and everyone with an opinion. Oh my God, I got an opinion and I got a... Folks, we need to listen. We need an exchange of information. We need to communicate. I think the other key though too, Mike, is now nowadays I don't think we see it as what we both did was we also told our core supporters in our campaigns, yep. let's get on board and support that person. Right. Instead of, hey, let's not support them. Let's go find a third-party candidate. But one of the differences, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, it wasn't me capitulating to her because she won. It was me respecting voters. Exactly. That's what I got to get you to understand, It wasn't folks. bowing down. I didn't reinvent myself because she won. I recognized that the voters had that right. I believed in the election, by the way. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the ingredient that we've changed. It's all election fraud. We lost. They're our enemy. We've got to destroy them. And it had to be election fraud because there's nowhere else. There's no other way. You folks, slow to navigation speed. I'm asking for intellectual honesty and earnest communication because I think that 2024 is going to be a very bumpy ride, but very unnecessarily bumpy and I think the leadership of both sides of the divide caused that. This is going to be an election to end all elections. And if it, if we don't win, it's a civil war. It's, it's all of these other words. You go, oh, my goodness gracious, slow to navigation speed. Because you know what? Shocking as it's going to be, whether we win or lose, I'm still going to live my life. I'm still going to visit with my grandkids. I'm still going to do those things that are important to me. <laughs> I remember 2016, after Trump won, the hallways in the university were dead silent. There were teachers not having class because they couldn't emotionally handle it. In tears. And I told my students that day, I go, I don't care who won or lost. Buck up. Let's go. It's called real life. We got class to do. If you're in the real world, you don't get to call off work because you're emotionally unstable because of the election. Go to work. Let's go. Move forward. And we're done. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mind-numbing, but... But listen, if you're so if you're a devout 
right-wing Republican, and you're a big Trumper, and somehow Biden wins, it's hard not to stand. I'm being honest with you. It's it would be it would be very difficult to look at him as a candidate and go, well, yeah, no wonder people voted for him. I couldn't intellectually do that because I don't understand why somebody would do it. But in truth, I didn't understand how people could vote for him in the first place, and I didn't understand how they could elect Senator Fetterman. But they did, and they did, and they did. It'll be very, very tough for him to win, and everybody accept that. I think that if he wins, there's, I think Cam, there, there's some big issues going to happen. They, they, listen, and let's ask the fair question. I asked, what will the right do? If Biden wins, and I'm telling you, grassroots on the right is going to be up in arms. Yeah, they are. They are going to be enraged, not because of the victory, but because of the disbelief of the victory. Same thing as I said. Who in the, who in their right mind could vote for him? So if we reduced our political culture to just, you know, Michigan versus Ohio, where we're, we're People that have never been in either college and don't know any of the players are outraged when their opponents win. You go, wait a minute. Stop it. We're not enemies. Come on. I'm just being, I'm trying to be intellectually honest, but I got to ask the fair question. What will the left do if Trump won? Oh, they'll burn the cities. You think the city, you, so you think there'll be physical violence? There always is. Do you it's, think, it's not you, like a hypothetical, like, I wonder... I would, if I said the right would burn cities, that's a hypothesis. Like, yeah, they probably burn cities. That would be me contemplating something that would go that far. The left doing it? Well, let's just look back at the last 20 years of media coverage, and they'll have peaceful protests, if you can't see them doing that quotation marks, and yet there'll be a, a Walmart burning in the background, and CNN will have their thing saying peaceful protest, because they've done that. So that's not even hypothetical or a pontification. It's true. Right. But but here's the fun part, because when I when when I told you I'm not an election denier, I'm not suggesting that the Democrats don't rig the election. So I'm reading a headline: Ex Obama campaign manager urges liberal voters to support Nikki Haley to sabotage Trump. Is that the first time they've done this? Oh, no, this happens every election cycle. Yeah. But this guy actually articulates it publicly, and so if you have folks on the grassroots right side in the Republican Party. Folks that listen to this show know I've been deeply involved in at least the state of Michigan Republican Party for decades. I'm telling you the grassroots on the right side say close our primary so that that can't happen. The problem with that is, is that it's the, the effect of that is telling independent voters and Democrats you could have won over in the general, we don't want your input. And if we stick to that, we don't have enough numbers to win. But other states do it. Um, Bivec has exposed her multiple times with her funding on the presidential primary You're talking about Nikki Haley? Oh, yeah. He's been calling her out for for a while. Listen, she's a big lib. Most of her funding's from the the left, including Soros. Right. She's very progressive. She just is. I don't care if you like her or not. Rhino. Isn't that the term rhino? Yeah, I don't even like those terms. (laughs) I really don't. But she's absolutely ideologically center left would be polite to say but it would not be honest. She's a leftist. Is she progressive? I, I think she's got her toes in that water. Let me just say that. Folks, stay with us. We've got to go to a break. We'll be right back.
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. Listen, we are broadcasting from our flagship station, WHTC, beautiful Holland, Michigan, on the shores of Lake Michigan, 1450 AM and 99.7 FM. If you're listening to us from any other state but Michigan, you are first off greatly appreciated, but you're also listening to the absolute best radio station in your community. We thank our affiliate network, and we very much thank our listeners. Ludwig, let's change directions a little bit, because this is something else I can't get my head around, and you're the academiac in the room, so you can guide me. So this is an article I'm reading from Reuters.com. Black Americans would feel the sting of Republican budget cut proposals. So Reuters is saying, black folks, you're going to be in trouble if the Republicans are elected. The problem that I have with that, folks, first off, I've got a bunch of problems with it, but let's stick to the first two or three. First off, I've not, I, could, I hunted hard, by the way, to find a Reuters article saying that black folks would suffer because of an open border but they have. Overwhelmingly, the black community is most negatively impacted by illegal immigration. Overwhelmingly. Not like slightly, a little bit, we could debate it. It's overwhelmingly impacting the black community. Reuters, not one article that I could find using Google and DuckDuckGo.com. And I think, well, that's kind of hypocritical of them. I thought they were a profound news organization writing journalistic truth. I didn't find that at all. The other thing is, when I told you there were several points, is the assumption that Reuters seems to make is that the black community in total can only survive if the government is there to help them. Folks, I got to tell you, I think that's the biggest bag of racism that I read on the news looking for show prep today. The idea that black folks can't make it without those wonderful liberals with spending money. Folks, everybody wants equal opportunity. That's what they want. Everybody, I don't care what their ethnic background is. I don't care what DNA, I don't care about any of that crap. Everyone raising children wants to have opportunity for their children. Everybody does. And what the only way to have that... History doesn't, like, hint at it. History announces it boldly. The only way for that to happen is to get government out of the way. Well, you know this whole article is a setup to get the mainstream media on board because they say if a Republican gets into double digits in the black vote, it's a, it's a landslide. Republican win. Right. And Trump's already been in double digits for right. the last six months plus because the black community in the major cities especially, right? we've had enough. New I- York City, L.A., all the big cities, Chicago, they're like, we are done with the Democrats. They have done nothing for us except for bring in these illegal immigrants, I, I give get, them everything, and watch us dying in the streets. Want to watch me get some more hate mail? I love it. I'm just telling you, when I look at the Democratic Party, who was the party of slavery, let's just be candid. You're very, folks, if you're a Democrat and you're listening, history counts. Facts matter. So without... President Jackson, your first populist elected president, slavery itself would have died out. It was it was it was out of gas. And that same part, they know, stop me. Oh, Mike, stop it. All of those Democrats left for the Republican Party. So, oh yeah, are you talking about the Democrats on the East Coast that shipped in people against their will? Are that who you're talking about? 
Are you talking about the folks that absolutely destroyed faith, family, and education in inner-city America? Is that the same party you're talking about? Answer, yes, yes, yes. Enough, enough. So if I'm a black person and I'm trying to raise my children like so many black people are, like I've talked about on this show before, you had white flight, getting out of the city. Then you had black flight. Guess what they were doing? Getting out of the city. Folks that want opportunity, folks that want to raise their children to have good educations are getting the bejeebers out of those nasty blue cities. That's the gospel truth. Am I wrong, Ludwig? No, it's 100% right. In fact, I just watched it the other day about an experiment with this city had 43% literacy rate and all these different stats, and they increased policing in the city. Uh, they walled it off. They put increased policing. They saw a, an increase to a 98% graduation rate, 98% literacy, 98%. Everything was in the high 90s right. of work, income raising, crime was down into single digits, all these things. And I asked my, my stepdaughter at the time, we were riding the car, we were listening to this, and I said, hey, what's this tell you? She goes, more policing reduces crime and increases everything else. It's like, you're 11, and you got this out of this. Right. You're 11, right. and you understand this. But it's just, it's, listen, it's easy math. So if you look at all the polling, back when they were going through their big campaign to defund police, and they were polling inner-city America, because they were actually hoping to find black people saying, no, we want we want to defund the police. And you, yeah. you know what they found was the opposite. Yeah. Black folks are just like anybody else. They want to have their children protected. The average response time in the city of Detroit at one point was 62 minutes. Right. If you got your answer actually called, they missed 20,000 plus calls a year. Right. They just miss them. They just, they just couldn't take them. They didn't have the capacity. Yeah. And not that they didn't show up for them. They didn't get answered on the phone. Yep. And you those, would call 911 and nobody would answer. They just don't answer. They're they, busy. Because there was too much capacity. Yeah. Well, there was too much something. To me, there's too much government. Not it's not it's not that they need more. I'm just telling you, folks. And if you if you don't believe me, I, I gotta tell you the way we operate government is insane. So I'm talking to somebody from the ATF, and well, don't don't worry about it. That person that has to do that job, if you just give them an out, they still get credit for doing the job. I said, well, that's not real life. If I don't do the job, I don't get credit for it because I thought about it for a minute. I stuck a piece of paper from the left side of my desk to the right side of my desk, and that's all I did with nothing on it. But I get credit for it. Folks, government doesn't work when it's bloated. It's not, and by the way, listen to my words. It's not that government doesn't work. Government doesn't work when it's bloated. And we've done the math on the show before. If you start adding up county, state, and federal employees, it'd be the, the highest per capita income if it were its own state and it would list, I can't remember the numbers now, but up in the top 10, of population. Yeah. You go, oh, stop. These people are tripping all over themselves. But it still goes back to how do we live? So I'm reminded of my sister. Stop talking about all that lofty stuff. Tell me how it affects us. It affects you when you need the emergency 911 and somebody answers the phone or when somebody doesn't answer the phone. That's how it affects you. Or you're in a city where they do answer the phone and they don't show up or they show up hours later. And by that point, you're either dead, you you know, or whatever has happened already. The crime's already been committed. You're already the victim. And what good was it? Donald Trump receives millions of dollars from foreign governments, House Oversight Democrats allege. Donald Trump or the Donald Trump Corporation? 
No, here's what they do. This is so, it's, it's, listen, by the way, they don't mention anything about Biden getting China money because that was his son. That's got nothing to do Biden with it. Biden or Biden Corporation. There you go. Well, listen, his son gets a lot. That's not, that has nothing to do with Joe. But here's what they're talking about. So if you are a Chinese government and you send four representatives to do business in, I don't care where it is, Ireland, and you stay at a Trump hotel, well, now you've given money to Donald Trump. That's what they're adding up. But they're not understanding. They're, they're willfully not acknowledging Biden's capitulation, yes, capitulation and funding influence from China, from Ukraine, and a number of other. That, that stuff doesn't count. It just doesn't. So how does it not count? How do you not do that? And I'm not trying to do tit for tat. I'm saying let's be honest well, here. It's not tit for tat, Mike. Donald Trump has a corporation. He's yeah. isolated from that corporation, too, by the time he started running for office. He, he had to. He actually has a corporation. Biden and, does not have any business. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, There's no Chinese buying anything from the Biden corporation. When you start reading this stuff, you go, listen, to folks, does the average person really believe this when they read these articles? Well, you remember the D.C. hotel? They were going to have all the people stay at that, and then there was this big uproar that Trump's going to make money while in office. So he actually told them, cancel the reservations, put them somewhere else. He did that. Yep. I, I, and, you, and this is so— we're down to seconds before the break, but we had a list on here two or three weeks ago of all the presidents that had quadrupled, doubled, tripled, and quadrupled their net worth during their time in office. And Trump, and I'm not a big Trumpster, but Trump lost a billion dollars. Folks, come on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Folks, so we're told by Joe Biden that the democracy is under attack. Well, when I think of democracy, and I talked, I talked early on in this episode about the fact that we're a hybrid form of government. We have a democratically elected representative form of government. And I pause and I think about it. Well, let's just take the democracy segment and take a look at it. To me, what does that mean? That means myself and my community get to vote for our representation. And that means, Ludwig, you can be a candidate. Brian, you could be a candidate. Everyone listening, assuming you're not a felon convicted, can be a candidate. And I think that you have that right, and that's one of the things that make us exceptional, unless your name is Donald Trump. And then we don't worry about due process. We don't worry about whether you were convicted or not. We say we don't like you. And we don't like what you said, so you're not going to be on our ballot. Folks, folks, I know everyone's talking about this, but i got to touch on it. The, the very people, the exact people that are saying our democracy is under attack are attacking the democracy. Yeah, because the truth is, let us decide if he should be on the ballot or not. Welcome to the arena of ideas. That's what a campaign is about. So you put the two candidates, the five candidates, whatever number of candidates there are, you put them out there and let the folks decide. Don't say, we're the government and you can't be a candidate. Oh. That's as un-American. I, listen, I hate to be cliche and I don't mean to cut no, you off, right. but when I, when I hear that, folks, that's right out of a banana republic, third world, 1930s government. That's what that is. 
Thank goodness the Supremes. I just I think it'll be a a seven two decision. Let's see what what did I cut you off? I'm so sorry. the question I had then is okay. So the 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 states that are doing this are saying he can't be on the primary ballot, right. correct? What if because the state you can win the primary, the state doesn't have to do the delegates to you, right? They can say okay, Nikki Haley, you want him, but we're still going to give him the Trump, right? He was unfairly decided. We but knew he had sixty five percent of the vote. Most state, setting up to most state constitutions say that the the state house can make that determination. Yeah. So they, they they really blocking it for political reasons, right? right? Now, what if, is this coming down to the final ballot, the actual election ballot in November? Can they block that? I don't know, but listen, I, w- I would think that they'd have a greater path to blocking the general election ballot than they would a, a primary ballot. And folks, you, Ludwig, you and I have both been primary candidates, so we're modestly familiar having been through this process Folks, it's the same federally as it is state in terms of the ballot. And <laughs> the idea that these folks think that they can tell a state political party, forget Republican for a minute. I don't care if you're a D or an R or I don't care about all those things. You can be a Libertarian Party member. The idea that a Secretary of State can tell a party who it cannot vote for is communist. I mean, yeah. let me, I don't want to be shrill. But if you go back and look and say, how did they do that in the Soviet Union? How did they do that in Germany? So I got to try. I, I didn't want to just pick on one. I threw them both in because they both used the same tactics that we're seeing employed now. Think about that. The idea that they think that they can tell a state political organization who to advance as its as its nominee, folks. It's that's just not. There are so many laws piled up in judicial decisions, just here in Michigan over the years, with judges telling folks you cannot decide who the leadership of a political party is. You cannot decide who the nominee can and cannot be. That's outside the confines of every state constitution that I've ever read. Than most certainly the federal constitution. No, be like no different than showing up in China to vote for president, and President Xi's the only one that option. But listen, rather than rather than getting lost in the inertia of debating the reality of it, I'm trying to understand the mindset of these secretary of states like Dana Nessel here in Michigan, the screwball from Maine, the one from Colorado. What kind of mindset thinks that they can dictate, to use their favorite word? Who thinks that they can dictate what an opposition party's nominee will be? Let's go beyond that. Who backs that Secretary of State? Who thinks that they should be able to do that? Who's writing them checks? Yeah. Who says, gosh darn it, we love it when you pee on the democratic process. Yeah, you tell us what to do. Thank I can you. say that, right, Brian? You can pee all over it? <laughs> all right. I'm sorry, folks. I just read it. Just can't I, say moron. Listen, I... Okay. Only when we're talking about Ludwig. Moronic, not moron. I can only, listen, I, I don't culturally understand, and I'm being honest with you folks, I don't intellectually understand how a party that thrives on the word democracy can then put their arms around somebody that is specifically, specifically attacking democracy. And they clap and applaud like penguins with excitement. Folks, I don't, that's... The hypocrisy meter is off the it's off the charts. Yeah, 
it's like a game of when you were a kid. Remember in the backseat, you're kid on a long road ride, and you got your finger like so close to your brother or sister's face going, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. Yeah. It's it's like that. I, it's like, like it's so annoying. <laughs> and you're like, you are touching me. Stop. And yet I'm still going to support you. So the, so the title from MSN, Trump's ballot fight plunges the Supreme Court into the 2024 election. Is this their actual goal? Is the, are they no. trying to are they trying to paint this as an Igor thing no. from Florida with the Supreme Court? No. So I was going to ask you this because I think this is where they've messed up, and no. this comes back to my question of: Do they overreach again? No, they okay. didn't keep their powder dry long enough. They, I think, wanted this to be on the general, and they've given him too much time to fight this, so that when it comes to the general, they can't do it because it already had been ruled on by the Supreme Court that it's not legal. Instead of where the Supreme Court wouldn't have enough time to rule on it. And the ballots would have been printed and sent out without his name on it. They went too soon. I don't listen. I don't. I think they're very calculated. I think they've got rooms of very, and I know this for a fact. But where's the, the ballot? Him being off the ballot in the primary have anything to do with the general? Trying, they think maybe they think they're trying to thrust N- Nikki forward. Oh, they have completely miscalculated the Trump Trumpers and even the people who aren't Trump or die people like myself who are about being a constitutionalist. I'm now going to be 100% behind him because of it, because you're not going to mess with our democratic system and not find me jumping on board with the side that's in the right. So ZeroHedge.com writes this article. Title is, The system is not going to let Trump win. Dems' real puppet isn't Gavin, Gavin, whatever his name is. It's Nikki. I agree. But they're not going to let Trump win, but this isn't the route to that. It will be in the general. I'm t- the general, if Trump doesn't win, you can't have a guy with 34% re-election approval rating. You can't have a guy that has record int- inflation. You can't have a guy that has this economy win. And, and it, it, there's no way. There's zero way he can win. Trump. Biden. Biden cannot win. But Trump will not win. They will not allow it. So you don't think they're going to be either one of them be on the ballot? No, I think they'll both be on the ballot, but Trump will not win. Well, I've, we've already seen it. Listen, I'm seeing people make reports on the idea that neither can win. Period, which which causes you to pause. If neither can win and they're both on the ballot, where are we as a country? Which is really, by the way, what caused me to. But isn't that sixteen that, all over again? Because nobody thought Hillary could win. Nobody thought Trump could win. I'm only going by what you said, and from articles I've been reading that says they're not going to let either one of them win. So they're going to let the House decide? I don't know. I still think the Democrat National Convention is going to be a food fight on par with the 68 convention. See, now, I've, I've read where that could happen at the Republican convention, where they don't give it to Trump and they give it to Haley, and there's a whole other fiasco to, in the making. I, I think we're going to have a really bumpy This is going to be a great year. Right, listen, before we run out of gas for the show, stocks, stocks bad startup to 2024 – as forecasters on edge, help me understand this a little bit. Stock markets are all over the map. They're, everyone's worried about the dollar going into free fall. Inflation, by the way. They always call it free fall. What's that mean? It means I buy less. That means it's inflation. All of that debate aside, um, what's your, what is your view of the economy? Because I just read that the, the jobs were up higher than expected for this past month. What do you think? Well, one, jobs being up, we just went through some temporary workers. I knew we had to be in the last two minutes. <laughs> um, listen, 
inflation is not down. Prices are not down. Uh, and the fact that the Fed did not raise the rate again and is already indicating they're going to lower it again is just going to send ripples like crazy through the market. Too often we tie our stock market to our economic uh, stability, and they're not in the same at all. Uh, and, and Trump really did that. And I, I would tell people, don't quit, 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 quit buying into the stock market going up so the economy is good. Uh, it's not It's not the truth. We're out of time, but yes or no, good economy, bad economy, bad. 2024, bad. bad. It'll bumpy. only be good because it'll be propped up in order for Biden to win. Then in 2025, you're going to see a sinking ship like you've never seen. I, I don't think he can hold it out that long. We'll see. Folks, listen, thank you very, very much for tuning in. You are genuinely, greatly heartfelt. Thank you. Be safe, and we'll see you next week.